Well, we're still doing our studies in, um, in the book of Hebrews, uh, where Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, we're part of a greater covenant, we have a better high priest, better promises, a better hope. And for you people who like to study the Bible, always make sure, I always love to give people a bit of clues when, to read, when reading the Bible, always make sure you can get what the Lord is saying through the cross. It's the new covenant in his blood, isn't it? The new covenant in his blood. And Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, better promises, better hope, so on and so forth. Um, we're in Hebrews in chapter 13 today and verses 5 until 6. And should come on the screen. Look at that. Yep. It says here, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Let's pray, shall we? If all else fails, let's pray. One or two of us got convicted, convicted one there, right there, didn't we? Okay, Lord, we just ask that you just come right now and just breathe on your, on your word, breathe life onto it to us, and make it real today in our life and in our experience, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your life free from the love of money. I was on the school car park the other day, and uh, as so often people quote scripture who don't know scripture and they quote it out of context. And he said, Well, money is the root of all evil. And I said, Well, actually, love of money is the problem. And he said, Yes. <laughs> um, I think he was just trying to keep me happy, probably. But uh, in, anyway. There's um, some similar verses, almost parallel, in uh, 1 Timothy 6 to 10, where it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all evil. How many know that money is good? In and of itself, money is good. You can go shopping, can't you? You can feed your family, hopefully. You can pay your bills. And hopefully there's still enough left over to uh, extend the kingdom of God. And bless the poor. Yeah, is that right? So money in itself is good. Money is not a problem. Some people have a real t problem talking about money, don't they? And some Christians find it difficult when they, when they are bound. It's almost like they're embarrassed by it. You know, if the Lord provides you with a Porsche, I'll rejoice with you. I won't feel, uh, what's he doing with a Porsche? What about all the poor people or whatever? Actually, rich people are probably giving quite, quite well to the poor. I was listening to, many years ago, um, Bill Johnson, his pastor in, in, in Bethel, California. I think some negative stuff had been said about him and money or, or whatever way back. And so he felt he needed to, you know, sort of be accountable and, and, and say how he used his money. And he was tithing somewhere towards almost, it was nearer the 100% giving to the, the Lord's work than it was nearer 50%. Anyway, it was something like 87% or somewhere around there uh, to the church. Oh, to the Lord's work. So 
We need people like that, don't we? Well, I might bet say it costs £30,000 to run, um, what's the prayer thing? Enough. We need people with the money, don't we, to, to support these things so that the gospel of God can be extended. The, 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 the word of God is always very concerned with the poor. You're blessed to the poor in spirit, for they inherit the kingdom, yeah? It's always very concerned with the poor financially. The widow, the orphan, the immigrant, dare I say that? But God always has a concern for the disenfranchised, the needy in the, in, in, in the world. And therefore the church needs to reflect that heart that he has too, doesn't it? So money is not the problem, the lover of it. And it's, it's the, what the writer here, I think, is really saying is, don't let it capture your heart. It's been said that what captures the heart captures the person. What captures your heart is what you will worship. George Norris, City footballer, you know, a supporter or whatever, you know. What captures your heart? And for the people here who are fairly, fairly new to faith and new to the church, when, when we talk at the front here about heart, we're talking not about that thing that Cooper puts an arrow through or whatever. We're, we're, we're talking about the whole inner man out of which the outer man or the outer person acts and talks. For instance, Scripture says, out of the abundance or the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you hit your finger with a hammer, you'll see what's in your heart. It might not just be, it might not just be a black finger, it might be blue air. And you might think, Lord, there's some change needs to go on here somewhere. When you talk to people, you can always see what's captivated their heart, can't you? And I just love it when people just uh, want to talk about what the Lord's done and what the Lord's doing and what the Lord said to them. It's just so wonderful, isn't it? His word is living, it's active, it's powerful. Hot stuff, this. And I hope you do all read it regularly. So, fight the good faith. No, we're, we're back in uh, Timothy. We don't want to be there, do we? But Timothy does say it um, ends up in all kinds of, of evil. And we know people who are, are greedy for money. They want to get one over you, maybe. They want to rip you off. Some steal, some covet. And this continual longing for stuff. Um, Sam Betts uh, reminded us the other Sunday about the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. I just love uh, reading uh, David at times in the Psalms. He had such a relationship with the Lord that put some of us to shame. And we're in the new covenant, which is better. And he was in the old covenant. And yet he, you know, he knew what it was to have a table prepared for him in the midst of his enemies. He knew what it was to feast on the abundance of God's house, to drink from his rivers of delight. He knew what it was to be anointed afresh with oil. Put some of us to shame, really. I mean, he was certainly a man of the presence, wasn't he, David? He just loved the Lord's presence. Do you love the Lord's presence? Nothing beats it, does it? When he manifests himself, it's just awesome. I mustn't go off on one, mustn't I? I have to be disciplined because I, never, I, don't, I don't tend to preach from notes. I'm a disaster with notes. I just. I just talk until I've said something useful, and my wife gives me that look, it's time to stop, you know. <laughs> she used to be able to do that when she could use her hands, but she can't, she can't do it. The sound desk can turn the mic off or something, you know. 
I'll never come back to the church again. No, no. It was a perfect church till I turned up. I'm sorry about that. (laughs) Keep your life free from the love of money, then be content with what you have. Uh, The writer Paul to Timothy says earlier on in Timothy, physical exercise is of some value. Godliness with contentment is great value. When I look at some of the joggers on a Sunday morning, I think they might do better to come here and be content <laughs> with a little bit of godliness because some of them look like they, they should have a paramedic following them, you know. With, <laughs> did one, one, apparently, I don't know if it's true, but apparently one pastor said that he gets all the exercise he needs running up and down hospital stairs, visiting people who have been jogging. <laughs> Godliness was contentment. For me, contentment just speaks of being at rest, being at peace, being, con- you know, being content. Um, yeah. But it, it, the question raises in, in our mind, surely, is, is there a healthy discontent? You might sort of say to me, well, the Bible does speak about making every effort. In fact, in Hebrews it said, make every effort to, to live holy lives. It talks about eagerly desiring spiritual gifts. Well, if I'm happy with what I've got and where I am, surely I can have a healthy discontent. I hope you do know that let go and let God is not in the Bible anywhere. The Christian life is all of God and all of us working together. We play our part, he plays his. He plays his part, we play ours. It's us and him working together. There's only one verse that says you must be born again. All, all the rest of scriptures, how you apply that into your life and into your experience. But what it actually means is, I think, that when we say content, that we do everything we do, we, we, we do and strive to do from a place of rest and contentment in God, that as we play our part, he will do his. Does that make sense? So we're working from a place of contentment, a place of rest. I mean, I had to discipline myself continually about it this morning. You know, this needs to come from a place of rest, not from a place of striving or in, 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 a, in a physical sense, but only in the sense of doing it and the strength that God supplies. How many realize that we need to live according to his means, not according to ours? We need to live in, uh, according to his provision and not according to us. Jesus said to the disciples of yourselves, you can do nothing. Northam, you can't do anything of yourselves, not without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to live financially according to my means, but I call to live according to his provision. Many years ago, we're at the, how are we doing? Many years ago, we're at the, the, um, the, the, the well, well Church, and, um, which was a church plant from here into Halton. And... Uh, we at that time desperately needed to have a wet room put in and uh, for, for, for Maria's disability. And um, the health people come around and they tell you, all the stuff you need, even stuff you feel you don't need, they say you need. And uh, even stuff, as I said, we felt we didn't need. And uh, then having said all this, they send a letter through and say they've run out of money. So I just laughed. I said, we're under, under heaven's economy, not man's. I just laughed. And... Uh, not long after that, two checks came through from, from, 
people we didn't know, didn't expect whatsoever that, that paid for that. You know, God God provides, doesn't He? Just just recently, I mean, there are times we like to like to to. to um, I don't want to talk too much about it because, you know, we either have the father's reward or man's reward. And I'd rather have the father's reward than the man's, uh, man's reward. And the Bible says, you know, let your given be in secret. Uh, let your praying be in secret sometimes too. Not, not do it to get men's applause. And so you either have man's applause or you can have God's. Who would rather have God's? Yeah, so I don't want to talk about it too much. But an, an anniversary came around just before... Christmas last year, was it? And, and Maria reminded me, it's time we gave to a certain thing again. And uh, so I don't want to go into details. But I sometimes suffer from anxiety attacks. Anybody have those? Yeah? Oh, dear. Yeah, nasty, isn't it? And uh, I said to Maria, do you know what? We can't sustain this. We just cannot sustain this unless God's in it. And I walked up the stairs, and I remember, I, I believe I heard God more clearly than I ever heard God before. He said, put X amount in the offering and see what I will do. So I did, did that, and then the, the Thursday came, and you were already starting to think, well, God said, whatever. And a, a check came through the post that we, we were totally not expecting to, to, to receive. You know, living according to his provision... Not according to our means. And maybe we'll come to a bit more of that later. That's Madam's Ale. <laughs> Not Adam's Ale, this it? it comes out of the tap. The Hebrews were certainly, some of them at one time, were certainly so captivated by the Lord and the better that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. This is amazing, isn't it? Do you find that a challenge? It says, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. That's a challenge, isn't it? Someone wants to come around and plunder your most prized possession or your prized possessions. Whoa. But they're so captivated by this better, that Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, that we've all been talking about, that they gladly accepted the plundering of their property. I think the advice for Christians, really, we need to all hold things lightly, don't we? From a place of, of contentment, from a place of rest, and just trust the Lord in all things. And that says, keep your life uh, free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For the Lord has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so we can confidently say... The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I need to mention at this point, um, because I don't think it's always very strong in, in some of our, our circles these days, that uh, the power of confession. You know, a good confession is not a, a good thought. A good confession is exactly that. Because God has said, 
so we say. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we say. A good confession is to say what God has said. But not just to think, to say. Speak it out. We've got the same thing in Romans, don't we, where it actually says that um, you know, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth and we're saved. Sorry, the sound is going up and down. Isn't it? I must keep this still. Uh, so we can believe in the hearts. We confess with our mouth and we're saved. And salvation is far bigger than just uh, the initial salvation process, isn't it? In the biblical context, we've been saved. We're being saved. And one day we'll have the redemption of our bodies and be saved. We'll see him as he is and we like him in every way. So there's a context there. So when people ask, are you saved? Actually, really, it's more accurate to say, well, I'm being saved. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not perfect yet. Anybody? anybody? <laughs> some, some, some people can't believe I've become a grumpy old man sometimes. But then you don't live with me, do you? We're all on the journey, and we're not all perfect yet, are we? Some people look for the perfect church, but then they find wherever they go, there's, there's imperfect people in them, and so... You know, people are people wherever you find them. And we're all on the journey and we have to be patient with one another. But confession, so important, a good confession. Speak it out. If God's given you a prophetic word and it's been tested and approved, speak it out. Speak it out. There's a release in that and principalities and powers need to hear it. And it attracts heaven, attracts, I believe, angelic presence. Good, we're doing good for time, aren't we? Anybody bored yet? Oh, good. I have more. <laughs> no surprise there, some people are saying. My wife says, I, 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 I rarely talk at times unless someone gives me a microphone. So it's your fault, you know, you give me this thing. Blame the leaders. <laughs> Who said that? They're lovely, they're all very approachable. And uh, I'll tell you what, they'd rather, rather hear what you have to have to say than you leave the church and say nothing. Because nobody knows where you are, what, what, what's happened, have they offended you, could they have done something better? And you know, Vince told me that's what come from the, comes from the leadership. He'd rather people say, right? There you go, another word for you. If we can turn to Corinthians and uh, chapter 9, verses 6 to 13. Gives us some keys in, uh, I think, how we can prosper in the right kind of way in the the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is always very concerned, as I said, with the, with the poor spiritually and the poor physically. Um, if you want to be a blessing to them, you know, you, you've got to have something to give, yeah? Peter and John once uh, saw a beggar sitting outside the temple gates, didn't he? And uh, the beggar was asking for arms and he ended up getting legs because the... <laughs> the old ones are always the best. They say, silver and gold, I, 
I, I, we, we don't have, and they didn't have at that time, no silver and gold, but what we have we give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. You know, as Christians, we always have something that we can give to somebody who's needy that comes from the Lord himself, yeah? Good. It's also very concerned with one anothering. But when we were at, um, again, at um, Halton, I, I don't know if Martin will know the source of this, but we picked up a paper and it had 60 references from the New Testament on one anothering. You know about it? You did it? Oh, well done. <laughs> well done. In our Western society, we often come at loggerheads with Scripture because we're, it's all you have to look after number one, isn't it? We're individuals. We come to church as individuals. We go home as individuals so often. Whereas in the Bible, it's about one anothering. Our, our care and our concern should always be for one another. I don't know if uh, anybody would want those 60 references, but if um, they're still on the disc anywhere, are they, Martin? Where? No, okay. I have, a, I, have, I have a copy anywhere. Maybe I could photocopy it if anybody wanted them. Maybe I'll see how we go. And, and here in, um, in Corinthians, the, the context is, and when, when you read the Bible, you always must read it in context. Scripture, uh, chapter and verses aren't inspired. You did, you did know that, did you? And they're jolly mixed blessing because they enable Christians, as well as the, uh, unbelievers, to take things out of context. And we must always look at the immediate context, at least, when we look at the, the, the Scriptures. You know, we can actually be claiming a promise for ourselves which we don't qualify for. Now, why was this promise given to these Christians? What have they done that enabled the promise to be given? Do we qualify? And here, um, Paul is concerned for the um, Christians who are in, in need, they're in, in, in poverty, a collection is being, being made for them, and uh, that uh, a, a gift can be sent to these dear Christians who are in need. And uh, he goes on to say, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The kingdom of God works very much the same way as it does in the natural world. Paul is saying, if you like, it's, it's, it's like this, folks. You've seen the farmer. Some of you are farmers yourselves. If you plant wheat, you get wheat. If you plant grass, you get grass. What you plant, you reap. What you sow, you reap. I was in the shop the other day and the guy said to me, he said, all these video games the kids watch now, they're so violent, and then they want to go out and stab each other. And so I said to him, yeah, what we sow, we reap. If you sow violence into society, don't be surprised if you get a harvest of violence. What you sow, you reap. You can't get away from that. It works the same way that gravity works. You either choose to believe it or you choose not to. If you choose not to believe it, you go over the cliff. True? Anybody bored yet? Because I'm having a good time. But I want other people to have a good time too. But there are principles that work. And I think one of the things we're finding, and certainly very much in, in, in recent history in church life, is more how how things work in the, in the spiritual realm and attraction the spiritual realm. Every act of obedience attracts the spiritual realm, the heavenly realm, moves heaven. 
and these Christians had been obedient and, and, and they, they, were, they were giving. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, not because the church leaders have got your arm up behind your back about giving. How many have been in meetings where the offering's gone around twice because there's not enough in it the first time? <laughs> that happened way back at a conference. It wasn't an NFI conference, I have to say. <laughs> and God will make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, in all times, you may abound in every good work. As we give, as we're into other one anothering, we too will be blessed. As you give, so you receive. What you sow, you reap. When I was preparing this, I, 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 this is a bit of a side to what we're talking about, but um, I, I thought there might well be people having problems in relationships this morning because really you've sucked the thing dry. Now what we sow, we reap, don't we? And uh, there has to be some sowing to be some reaping. And maybe you've all been, been some, someone in the relationship or whatever has been taking, 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 and there's nothing left to take. We're all human, we've only got so much grace, haven't we? I remember once being in a vineyard leaders conference and they were talking about being real and how that we, we're all home and we only have so much faith, we only have so much grace, you know, we, we don't have an unlimited resource. And he was talking about people who hide dependency and he was saying, well, sometimes we just come to the end and have to say, well, we love you, but go down to his house. You know, we're out of grace right now. And just being, being, being honest. But obviously showing the people that you... You, you, you love them. So having all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work, as it's written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched... In every way. And some of you will go away and say, John's at the health, wealth and prosperity gospel now, aren't you? I'll tell you what, I, I reacted to the excesses in the health, wealth and, and prosperity gospel. And to try and bring correction to that, I went too far the other way and created another error. You know, the extreme, the health, wealth and prosperity gospel, I believe in its extreme is another gospel or borders on being another gospel. I believe we can also take it back the other way. As Mike Betts said one Sunday, prosperity is in the Bible. But it's prosperity with purpose, isn't it? It's that the, the, need, the needs of the needy are met, that the kingdom of God can be extended, that leaders are, are, are blessed. You know, it's not, it's not more godly for a leader to go around in the rusty Morris Minor with the text on the back, in Christ all, whole, all things hold together. Than, than it is to be driving an, an upmarket BMW. And in fact, if uh, the Bible says a leader is worthy of double honour, don't muzzle an ox while it's treading the grain. If you see a leader is driving an upmarket car, he's probably travelling all around the country, don't expect him to like Jesus to go on donkey. 
nor drive a donkey of a car. No. <laughs> well, where did that one come from? Yeah. Leaders might be worthy of it, but they don't always get it, and uh, they wouldn't always want to take it either, but uh, that's another story. And it says, for this ministry of this service, this is uh, you know, looking after the needy, looking after those who have needs, cares, and concerns, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God, and because of your submission that comes from the confession of the gospel of Christ and from the generosity of your contribution to them and for others. So this, this, this giving and this uh, prosperity is, is resulting in many thanksgiving givings and praise to God. What we sow, we reap. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Those who cheerfully give their, their time in this church, the Lord loves it. Many people in the church give of their time. You don't see what they do. You don't see how much time they give to it. You don't see how much time Joan spends in prayer. You don't see that. But the Father in heaven sees, and he rewards. It moves heaven. There's a verse in Hebrews, which um, sadly we didn't get to because we didn't do a verse by verse on Hebrews, that says those who worship God must believe two things. They must believe that he exists. And secondly, that he rewards those who seek him. He rewards those who seek him. We're very, not very keen it seems. It seems to me we seem a bit twitchy to talk about the Father's reward and coming to the Father for for a reward, don't we? But uh, the Lord loves it when we come to him for reward. I like what John Piper says, God, our quest to be satisfied and God's quest to be glorified are one and the same quest. Why? Because when, when we're most satisfied in God, God is most glorified in us. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. There's a lot in the Bible about reward. I mentioned earlier, you either have the man's reward or you can have God's reward. I'd urge you um, on, the, on the subject of finance, if you're struggling finance, uh, with, with finance, to, to um, join the, the CAP thing we, we, we run here at church, which help people get out of debt. We, we, we're certainly against poverty. We feel poverty and lack comes from the devil. Sometimes it comes from our bad choices. <laughs> Talking about uh, some poor people who were being uh, catered for the other day, somebody said, well, they do have £1,000 iPhones. Well, maybe that needs to be looked at, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it happens, I suppose. But we find a similar thing in, um, in, in Philippians, about this is sowing and reaping. And, and there's a verse here that, that, that Christians will often mention, well, God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory. Did you realize that verse has a context? Paul is basically writing a thank you letter to the, the Philippians because they've supported him in his ministry. And he said, I'm not so concerned about the gift. He says, I've learned how to be a, a bound and I've learned how to be 
in need, I've learned to be content with both. I can be content when I abound, I can be content when I, I mean, I'm in need. But he said, I'm more concerned, there we are, others again. I'm more concerned, the NIV puts it quite clearly, I'm more concerned what's been put to your account, or to your heavenly account in the NIV. I think that's your account in the ESV. I'm more concerned what's been put to your account. And then he says, and my God will supply your every need. So it's a similar principle here to what we find in Corinthians, sowing and reaping. They've sowed into Paul's ministry, and now my God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory. Did we qualify for the promise that we're quoting? Again, you know, verses and chapters, not inspired. They can be a bit of a problem in that we can just read the Bible with a pair of scissors. Okay. Yeah, we need to wrap this thing up, don't we, so we can just have a, a song or two at the end. How can we best wrap this up? I think in this, with this area of, of money to examine ourselves and make sure we're not making a God out of money where money is controlling us. In Romans, it talks about whatever you give yourselves to obey, you become slaves to the one you obey. That all can, all, always can mean possessions as well, I think. If you give yourself continuously something to obey, you become a slave to the thing you obey. And we can all obey this thing, can't we? If you, you need more, you need more stuff. You need to keep up with the Joneses or, or whatever. And the television adverts don't help. You bought the latest uh, eye, whatever it is. And then two months later, the one you've got is no good because um, the, the new model's out. And, uh, you know, this continual rat race of having to have the, the newest and the latest. And how that you need to be financially secure. Well, there's no such thing these days. If you knew the state of the, the world economy, and I'm not going to go into that this morning. But uh, I don't think there's much security to be had these days. But when I was being brought up, there's always this big thing about you had to be financially secure. And if you join certain things like the post office, you'd have a job for life. Well, that no longer applies, does it? If you work in a bank, you'd have a job for life, but it no longer applies. There is no security apart from the security we have in him, and that's a good thing. I think a lot of people have been shaken in these days. A lot of people are in the shaker. I just hope they come out on the, on the right side and see that our, our ultimate security is in the Lord. How are you doing this yet, Maria? No, not yet. Okay. And the sound desk is still that kept me on. I think, haven't they? Um, okay. So examine ourselves in that respect. Learn, like Paul, to be content with what you have, while still expecting more. I'd, I'd love to have more. We'd love to. Marie and I would just love to be able to bless more, more, more people, bless more things. Um, you know, we would we, we just lo- lo- love to. Um, people sometimes come to us with a, with a need, and you think, gosh, if I had a few thousand to spare, you know, to, uh, how, how I could help these people or whatever. But here's the thing. Sometimes you need to just give what you can and ask the Lord to multiply it in their hands. I normally, if I give anybody a gift, I, I normally say, Lord, will you multiply it in their hand? Because the Lord can do that, can't he? Two small fish and five loaves, and what happens? I don't know how many people got fed. It's more than 5,000 because it's just the men, wasn't it? So, you know, 
just, just bring and give what's in your hand to give. And if you aren't um, already contributing to the work of the, 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 the Lord, either here or in the churches that you belong to, um, I'd urge you just to cheerfully give what you can and trust the Lord to multiply it, not just to the church, but to you as well, personally, and just to see what happens. Um, giving is, is always good. Always healthy, I can say that because I'm not a leader. I don't benefit from anything you give to this church other than, uh, yes, I suppose I do, don't I? Because I rejoice in all the wonderful things the Lord's doing here and, and doing through the ministry here. Being content, don't forget about a good confession and using what the Lord's given you for his praise and for his glory that many thanksgivings will be given to him. Our time has gone. I must stop. I must remember a dear, dear old man. I used to love to hear him. Whenever he spoke, he was life. And it's in those days where everything had to be done on the, on the time and on the, on the dot and what have you. He said, well, I can't tell you anymore. May God bless his word. <laughs>